So, how are you doing, Mike? <laughs> fine. Everything's fine. It's all fine over here. Totally fine. Fine. There's not much time left. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. This is so ominous. T-minus seven days now. Yep. In seven days' time, the, the year of adulting takes a harsh, very steep turn. Uh, as I as I become Mr. Hurley, uh, okay. well, I mean you're Mr. Hurley now. Mike. Yep, that's, that's not how this works. Ah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I will be a married man next next week from a week today. From a project planning perspective, how in place are things? Because weddings are nothing if not logistical nightmares mm. of ten thousand tiny decisions. All right, we made a really smart decision uh-huh. like about 18 months ago when we hired a wedding planner. That is a very smart decision. It's one of the, the best things I have done in my adult life. Like It is one of mm-hmm. the greatest decisions that I ever made was to hire a wedding planner because we were talking about this today at lunch. We wouldn't have gotten to the point that we're at right now without their help like it wouldn't mm-hmm. have happened like the, we would have made so many compromises we would be in a, such a different state to where we are so hiring a wedding planner was brilliant to the point now where like we had a call with her this morning i feel like i'm good oh really wow basically everything's taken care of there are tiny little details just to work out but it's like mostly the movement of things and people because even today, like, we just were, like, in passing, mentioning some things that we thought we needed to do. She's like, I'll do that. I feel like I don't have the right to feel as confident as I feel. Because, like, knowing people that have gotten married, right? Like, how they feel like everything's falling apart. But I feel, I, I honestly feel like everything's kind of in hand. I mean, that is both quite impressive. I've never heard anybody a week before their wedding feel this way, mm-hmm. uh, which then does immediately rouse my suspicions as well. Uh, that, that maybe you are deep into unknown unknowns territory here. Yeah, that's, that's also highly likely, but <laughs> I, I feel confident in our professionals, you know? Mm-hmm. That's good. That's very good. I'm glad to hear it. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. I am about as nervous as I've ever been for anything in my entire life. No, 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 no. But Mike, Mike, that's your... That's your personal side. That's why I, I was asking from a project management side, which cares not about your nervousness mm-hmm. and your emotional feelings mm-hmm. about the upcoming, perhaps most important day of your adult life. Yep. Only seven days away now. Right, yep. So that's I wasn't asking about that side of things. Definitely feel worse that's now. That's the feeling so. side of things. <laughs> it's like, it's like there are <laughs> lot. There's lots and lots of things to do. Right. Mm-hmm. But it all feels in hand. Good. You know, like, we have so much stuff that we have to do over the next seven days, but it all feels like kind of as it should be. And and I expect a part of this is the way that our wedding planner has set this up for us. You know, like, mm-hmm. she has let us know, like, the kind of things that we need to be doing. So we're being mm-hmm. guided through. So it feels like we just got this safety net. Right, like she's just taking care of it for us. It's like you got to be here, you got to do this, you got to take this to this point, this to this point. Like the wedding day itself is there's a huge Google Doc with timings of everything. Oh wow! Yeah, it's amazing. Like everything is timed. There are you know every everyone knows what they're doing. You know, like there is assigned people for every job because we have two people on the day. So like our wedding planner hires someone. Mm-hmm. 
I want to give you an example of how good our planner has been for us. So at our venue, the place where we're doing the meal and all that kind of stuff, we had someone that we were working with through the whole period of time. That person has quit her job and leaves one day before the wedding. Mm. Right? Perfect. We told our wedding planner this. Our wedding planner, without us knowing, hired this woman for one day. Oh, that's amazing. How good is that? <laughs> She's freelancing one day after her official She's quitting. She's freelance one day for the company that we're using. That's amazing. So she can be there <laughs> to do everything she would have done. That's perfect. That's really good. So you see what I mean? This is how good these people are. So like, you do, when you do things like that... That is an excellent wedding planner. Exactly. I'm like, you've got this. Like, we don't need mm-hmm. to worry. Oh, yeah. I feel like that story then makes me feel much more confident in your confidence about everything's under control. They are, they've just got it. Yeah, they've got it. Now all you have to worry about is keeping your emotions under control. Which I can't and won't, but Which, no, you're I've not. already it's, accepted it's, that about myself. That is a, a mic failure point. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you know that about yourself. It's a leak, a literal leak in the system. Uh, it's going to be, I'm going to be an emotional wreck, but right, I, yeah. we all know this about me. Everybody knows this, so. Everyone's expecting it. It's a key thing in life is to know and understand yourself and make decisions about that and no one is expecting stoic mike to show up on his wedding day (laughs) i think if i don't pass out everyone will be really proud of me (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean like honestly if you spend less than 45 minutes on the fainting couch like i will be quite impressed So, of course, wedding day is going to be great. It's been a whole thing. But there's also the Mm -hmm. after part, which is the honeymoon, right? Right. So, I am actually going to be taking pretty much all of July off of the majority of my work. So, it basically starts with pretty much the publishing of this episode. And then, this is one of the last things that I will do kind of in my normal work until all the way at the end of the month. Now, obviously going through this is a pretty big thing. I've been making like lots of decisions over the last six months. Been flip-flopping a little bit about what is this actually going to look like? Like, will I 100% stop everything? You mean during your honeymoon time? During my honeymoon, yeah. Which is pretty much two weeks, two and a bit weeks. Mm -hmm. Or... Will I still be checking in on things? So I've landed in a place that I feel pretty comfortable in. And so one, obviously no recording or editing will occur during this period of time. That's the no-brainer. You're not bringing podcast equipment with you on your honeymoon. <laughs> Set on the beach yeah. with the waves behind me. Yeah, this would be a loser on every front. Yeah. It's a bad idea for you. Uh, it's a bad way to start your new marriage. And the recording would be terrible. Yeah. So that's obviously out of the window. Um, right general kind of day-to-day business duties like invoicing and coordinating with people all of that's out of the window too Mm -hmm. we have a great team right who and everyone you know there's more than enough capability around me that people can pick this stuff up Mm -hmm. there was one point though that i was uncomfortable with and that was email Mm -hmm. the wheel (laughs) what do i do about email because i cannot touch it but then there's a pile of it when I get back, mm-hmm. I can set an out of office, but the more I think about out of offices, I think they create more problems than they solve. Yeah, out of offices are the worst. Yep. Everybody thinks 
this is a great idea, but it's actually a terrible idea because mm -hmm. you still receive the message, but the person gets a reply saying you're out of office, which then leaves that message in this quantum undetermined state. Yep. Is, is this a thing that when the person saw the out of office message, they thought, oh, whatever, I don't, I don't need to worry about this. Like Mike's out of, out of the place and I'll just, I'll find someone else to take care of this. Or is it still in your inbox because it's something that needs to be resolved? Like they're out of office messages could only work if upon receiving them, the receiver had an option to then delete or add information to the message that yep. had just been sent. But that's not the way email works. <laughs> there are services that exist that can do this, but I didn't want to employ any of them. Where like you would send an email to someone and say they're out of office. You can press a button to actually send this to them. Or you can send it oh, to this person instead, or just not send it at all, right? So they kind of sit in the middle. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to do this because I know who I am. Mm -hmm. And I know how I'm made. And I know I'm going to open email and check email. I'll probably open Slack every now and then because Slack has all my friends in it as well, right? Right, of course. I won't be able to completely switch off for two weeks because... I would be thinking, is everything okay, right? Is probably where I'm going to mm -hmm. be. So let's say I open my email, right? And there's an email in there and I know I can respond to it super quickly. But that person got an out of office. And then I respond. Right. What does that say about me to this person? <laughs> right. Now now you look like a crazy workaholic if exactly. you're replying to a thing. that just takes two seconds. And, and that person is imagining that you're on the beach right now with your new wife under an umbrella, mm -hmm. coconut drink in one hand, and email client in the other exactly. hand doing business. Yeah, it makes you look terrible. And I don't want to give that impression to people. Even if it's true, Even you don't want them true, to think it. I don't want people to know that about me. <laughs> and then the other problem right. is, so I would put on my out of office, to if it's urgent, to email my assistant. How do I know what she's gotten? Exactly. And then she's dealt with a situation... And then I then deal with the same situation. It's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. A lot of the thinking around this was clarified to me after WWDC because we trialed using an email app called Spark 2. Mm -hmm. So we spoke about Spark in the past during my all email apps are bad realization <laughs> a few months ago. Yeah. And Spark 2 came out. The app was almost unchanged. All of the things I don't like about Spark are still the same. Like There's a bunch of weird decisions that they make about the way stuff works and looks. Don't need to get into it today. It's not important. But what they came out with was a Teams feature. So you could set up a team. You could share email messages. You could have conversations in email messages. And we used it during WWDC, and it changed everything. Oh, okay. So yeah, you, you showed this to me just briefly one yep. night when we had a few moments at WWDC. And yeah, so it looked like you and your team can privately have a conversation about the email before yep. someone responds to that email. And I thought that was a a very interesting idea. I didn't quite realize that you were in beta mode for this project for you, yep. for WWDC. It was a test. Thinking about, well, how does it work? That's very good. That's really good. <laughs> because that is a very similar scenario where like, whilst I'm working, I have no time during that week. Right. Like mm -hmm. the way that I am interacting with email is very different. Like I'm not checking it throughout the day. I'm checking it at just points during the day. Mm -hmm. So the way that some of this stuff would work. So say somebody sends me an email and, and they need something. 
I can assign it mm-hmm. to my assistant and she can just reply as if the email was sent to her. There's no right, forwarding right. information in the email. It just takes that email and drops it in her inbox and she can deal with it. Mm-hmm. Another thing I can do is add her to it. I can respond and she will see all the responses. So if there's things that she needs to do, she can pick them up. And then also in that chain, we can have a conversation. So I can say to her, hey, did you see that? Can you take care of this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like, I'll say to someone, yep, no problem. And then she will take whatever's in that email and do whatever needs to be done. Or there's another thing. Sometimes people will send me a spreadsheet that needs to be completed, right? I can drop her in on the email, say, download that, complete it, and she can upload it to me in the conversation thread inside of the email, which I can then take mm-hmm. and attach to the email and send back. Mm. This is what I'm going to do. I think that's a, that sounds like a really good solution. Again, in the the key of knowing yourself, like it, it's mm-hmm. important to recognize that simply not replying to email is not an option for you. If I take 20 minutes every day, maximum, broken into like two 10-minute stints, I can probably mm-hmm. deal with all of the email that I get. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is perfectly reasonable. There are going to be times either late in the evening or I'm just sitting down at the beach for an, where I can just pull out my phone and do it and it's not going to affect mm-hmm. anything. You know, like I'm not going to, if we're having dinner, I'm not going to be responding to email. If we're snorkeling, I'm not responding to email. <laughs> there will be more than enough time during my day where I can jump in, do a bit of triage and just get things taken care of. Anything big and chunky, I can either leave for when I return or I can send to my assistant. She could just do with it. She takes care of it and it's done for me. Like mm-hmm. this is this feels to me like the optimum way for me to be able to not feel like I'm completely in the dark, mm-hmm. to not have to worry about what's going on, and then not have to come back to 200 messages. Now I understand I'm leaving myself open for things to upset me and annoy me, but I feel like that that will that the overall feeling that I will have will be better. I feel like I'll be less annoyed about things, right? Because I'm Mm -hmm. sitting on a beach sipping a pina colada, right? Like, it's not going to be so much of a problem. But I know that I will be happier this way than if I just kind of shut myself off completely. Yeah, I mean, that that is exactly the key that you're you're trying to, especially on a trip like this, trying to minimize any kind of anxiety and Mm -hmm. worry. And it's, it's perfectly legitimate to recognize that being completely in the dark would be more of an anxious situation for you than having some contact with the outside world. So it seems really great. It seems like this system arrived just in time for you to trial it to make sure that oh, it works perfect. The way we were going to do this was going to be a hell. Like I said, <laughs> right, so maybe we set up a Google Sheet and you write in every email you've responded to. Oh, God, yeah. And then I can go in and see, and then I don't respond. Like, I just the worst right like i can't do that i wouldn't want to yeah. give like her my email credentials because that doesn't make any sense like I ju- that just yeah. doesn't work for me like to ch- everything would come through because she doesn't need everything and then yeah. you have on top of it we're on the other side of the world for two weeks from each other right, right. like the time zone difference is going to be hellish so really I, I feel like this has ended up being kind of perfect yeah, I did the uh, Google Docs spreadsheet of email thing for a while years ago. I don't recommend it. <laughs> yep. Yep. It was like the best of all the bad possible solutions that we came up with, right? And it still was going to suck, but at least it was something. But this is so much better. I really like the Spark email team stuff. It's very, it's, it's mm-hmm. very, very good. 
It's like the only good thing in an email app <laughs> that I've ever used. <laughs> this episode of Cortex is brought to you in part by our friends at Hover. Building your online identity has never been a more important task in today's predominantly online world. And with Hover, you can find the domain that will show everybody who you are and what you're passionate about. It's so important today to think about how you want to present yourself online, whether it's just a simple website where you maybe have a resume or maybe even, and this is one that I think is super important, having a personalized email address. So if you're doing something, you're conducting some business or you're just giving out an email address to friends and family, wouldn't it be nicer if it wasn't at genericemailprovider.com? Don't you want something that says a little bit about you? And Hover can give you everything you need. They have all of the domain options that you're looking for. They have all of those fun and weird and wonderful and regular domain extensions. They have over 400. And you know you're going to be secure because they include who is privacy so bad guys won't get your information. And they include that for free. Hover also have best-in-class support team. And for all of the aspiring or experienced entrepreneurs out there in the Cortex audience, Hover wanted to let you know that they are sponsors of a conference called the Fireside Conference. It is an off-the-grid event taking place just north of Toronto the weekend after Labor Day. The conference will be packed with startups, technology enthusiasts, venture capitalists, and more. You can check out that at firesideconf.com. But remember, if you want to show the world what you're passionate about, Hover is there to help you make that first step. Go to hover.com slash cortex right now and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show. Now, Mike, you did a bad thing last episode. Yeah. Yep. You left the previous episode on quite a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. We were together in person, always uncomfortable and it's a very different sounding episode uh, whenever yeah. we listen to those live ones. I know they make you upset, but it's okay. They do. I don't like the live in-person ones. I don't. It's just, it's so different. I have such a hard time listening to it afterwards. Yeah. But the people seemed happy. It's a fun event. I wouldn't want to do every episode like that, but one a year, I, th- I feel like it works pretty nicely. But, but I do share with you, like, they never sound as good, right? And uh, yeah. I have some ideas, actually, to, to make it sound better next year and still be in the same room, but we'll get to that when we need it. Yeah, so we, we can set up a glass wall between the two of us, and then we have little right. separate booths. That's what I would, yeah. I would like. Yeah, yep. But only if my side has a little window that I can, like a window shade that I can pull down, so then we're like in the same room. You but, have to look at my face. <laughs> yeah, because the looking at you is uncomfortable. I mean, we've mentioned it before, but I, I tend to look away a lot when recording a person, because it's like, I can't. You never look directly into somebody's eyes. Like, that's too much. Yeah. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much in person. But when we are in person, sometimes there are things that a person can notice. Mm -hmm. I was intentionally trying to provoke you with a t-shirt that I had that had many pockets on it, which you were studiously trying to ignore, which I enjoyed. What pockets? (laughs) Exactly. Mike was like, I don't see see that shirt that you're wearing that has a pocket zipper that goes from the shoulder down across the side that's full of stuff. Like, I could, you know, you were not intentionally not looking, Mm -hmm. but also in person, you were not wearing your Apple Watch. No. And... We wanted to discuss it, but you said, no, we could not discuss it on that live episode. We would have to leave it until later. And now it's later. So what's the deal, Mike? What's going on? So I guess the other piece of information that maybe wasn't abundantly clear is not only was I not wearing my Apple Watch, I was wearing a mechanical watch. The relevant thing to me is 
not Apple Watch. I was like, mm-hmm. well, of course you're going to wear something on your wrist. Right. You're Mike. You're a very fashionable guy. Thank you. Are you going to leave that section of your body unadorned? I think not. It's an accessory to be had. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, there's going to be something there. But yeah, so I was like, there's no Apple Watch. And yeah, there's some other mechanical watch on your wrist. All right. So two months ago, I stopped wearing my Apple Watch. Two months ago? It was two wow. months ago. <laughs> okay. And there, the reason that, that this happened was, as I was building up to the wedding, I was thinking about the photos. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Right? This is, this is about a year ago I started thinking about this. I was like, I don't want to wear an Apple Watch in my wedding photos because it will be like... I will look like Zach from Saved by the Bell with mm-hmm. my huge phone, right? That's how. That's that's all I could keep thinking about, right? I have some huge first ever cell phone, right? You know, like the ones that mm. look like basically holding a brick up to the side of your head. I figured that's yep. how an Apple Watch would look in a few years' time. Like, with you know, even even a couple of months later, the design of the Apple Watch could change significantly, right? So I thought to myself, I don't want to date the pictures in such a way that I will laugh at myself every time I see them in like ten years' time. I can completely agree with that. For example, we were watching on television recently a very prominent wedding in the UK Mm -hmm. in which one of the speakers at that wedding was using an iPad and wearing an Apple Watch. And I was thinking the same thing, like, it's a historic event. Maybe don't, like, maybe print out your speech and maybe wear a more timeless watch. Yeah, or just take it off. You be you, man. But I can't help but notice this and also think the exact same thing. Maybe also don't mention Facebook in your speech. But yeah, like yeah. don't temporarily date a moment in your life that's a moment like this. So I can completely agree with your decision to not wear an Apple Watch at your wedding. I'm, I'm behind that 100%. And I'm just realizing we haven't actually used it yet. But my wife, for our first year anniversary, bought me a, a nice mechanical watch. And... When I got the Apple Watch, we intentionally saved that as like a ceremonial watch. And uh, there hasn't been an occasion where I've actually worn that. It's somewhere in the house. But it's it's that same idea that like there may be a moment where you don't want to be wearing your Apple Watch and you want to have a, a nicer looking watch for those moments. So the first thought was maybe I just take it off, just leave it off. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and then... Our mutual friend, Marco, he is a big watch nerd. Oh, I should have known. <laughs> of course. Of course, it's Marco. <laughs> he, he, he had sent me to some watches. Getting his tendrils into everything. <laughs> like a, about two years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them was by a brand called Nomos, which is a really cool, more modern brand. And, and he thought that it really kind of fit with my style. Um, and he sent me uh, a link to this one which is from their Metro range, and it's called the Power Reserve. It has this little power indicator of how much how much power is left in the spring of the watch, right? Because you have to wind it every day. Mm-hmm. And I really, really liked the design of this watch. So I decided about a year ago, I am going to buy that watch. And I decided I would save a little bit of money every month because it's expensive. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I thought this would be a nice thing for me to save up for. And I will buy it just before the wedding and then I'll wear it on my wedding day and then it will become my special occasion watch, right? Right. Then when we were in Austin for my bachelor party, 
I realized I had the money I needed together, and I thought, wouldn't it be nice to buy it with Marco? Like, he started me on this path, and plus I was a little intimidated going to a fancy watch store, and I thought it would be a good idea to go with somebody who knew what they were doing, right? Could could talk yeah. in the lingo, right? And he even got me a discount, because apparently you should never buy a watch without a discount, but I never would have been able to ask for one. Marco, I have seen firsthand, Marco is a man who knows his way around a fancy yeah, watch store. he does. Yeah. So I thought... I'll buy it with him. He convinced me to get this in the first place. And also I have somebody with me. Mm-hmm. I put that watch on and my life changed. I have not taken it off since. It's really nice looking. It's really comfortable. And I like to look at it. Right. So at first it was like, I want to wear this because it's new and it's beautiful. Like it's something I've coveted for a year. You're like I don't, this isn't a typical thing for me to like find a thing and then save for it. Like it's, mm-hmm. I, I've have never, I haven't done something like this since I have been an adult. Right, I either right. buy it or I don't buy it, and then that's it. Right, I either have the money and I buy it, or I'm like, well, I haven't got the money for this, so I just won't buy it. Maybe sometime in the future I'll buy it. But like the, the idea of like making a conscious effort to like save money every month to get the money together to buy this uh, thing. That's in, that's interesting. Okay, I can see. I can see how this works its way into your mind yeah. because yes, that is a very that's a very different experience. Of yeah. every month yeah. I take some money and I'm like, this is my watch money this month, and it goes in, and I will see that account build up, and it's like a ticking time, right? Like I'm, mm-hmm. it's it's getting bigger, it's getting bigger, and then once it hit the amount, I could buy it. So mm-hmm. when I bought it, I was like, I've saved for this so long, I want to wear it, and plus I'm at an, a special event. You know, like I'm with all my friends, we're doing this thing. Oh, right, yeah. You don't you don't feel like you're abusing the specialness exactly. because you're in Austin at a at a one time special event, of course. Yep. We're having nice meals together. We're doing, you know, so I'm like, okay, I'll put the watch on. So, and plus, it's like uh, I want to wear it when Marco's here because there's like the things you need to think about, right? So, like, I want to ask him questions. There's like questions come up and stuff because mm-hmm. this thing is made of springs and gears, right? Like, it is a an item which requires some attention. So I wanted to kind of like understand the foibles of it and have an expert with me who could help explain to me what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I wore it for the week and I got home and I kept wearing it. And then two months passed because right. over that period of time, I learned that the system that I had, whilst important, I could change and nothing happened. So my previous system was all my devices on Do Not Disturb all notifications come to my watch. Well, now my phone is not on Do Not Disturb anymore and my phone gets notifications. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how it goes now. And Mm -hmm. it's fine. There are downsides to it. Um, Having notifications on my phone is more distracting than they were on my watch. Yeah, so this is is my one question because... Well, I've been thinking about notifications as well. We can get to that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if, you, if you're switching away, you perhaps have chosen a good time. But the thing, and particularly for you, again, because you're much more notification heavy than I am, is like, how, like, do you find yourself just pulling the phone out of your pocket way more and yes. just kind of dealing with that? Or, yes. or like, also a question, how much are you able to, because I presume you're getting vibration alerts mm-hmm. i just wonder like how much are you able to 
distinguish notifications because I think there's ways you, you can set custom vibrations for different things. Yeah, or different I don't people. do anything like that. Okay, so you just get a in your pocket. Yep. And you have no idea is that a text message or is that an email? And then you just take a look. So it's way more distracting. Okay. You know, and, and I do not prefer this in any way to the watch. But you know, life is full of trade-offs and you can't always get everything that you want. The vast majority of time when I'm at home, I have a device in front of me that can receive notifications. Mm-hmm. Them being on my watch when I'm at home working is no different than them being on my phone or my iPad. Yeah, that is, that is totally true. When you're like doing actual work in front of a device, that is the only time I can actually sometimes kind of find the watch a little bit annoying where it'll it'll ping out of sync with whatever thing I'm on. Like, yeah. like, like it, it doesn't realize like, oh, I'm talking to this person right now. And it goes like, boop, did you know that this person just sent you a message? Like, yeah, I'm looking at it on the screen at this very moment. Watch. I did know. Thank you. <laughs> so, and then, you know, when I'm out and about, yeah, it's more, it is more distracting, right? Like it is. And also, you know, and this happens a lot. I will have my phone somewhere else and I'm doing something else and stuff's buzzing, right? And mm-hmm. I don't know about it. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of, just that's just how it is now and by and large nothing's happened mm-hmm. i still get all the same notifications that i would get before you mm-hmm. know so i'm still getting notified about all my email but most of the time like that's in a place where i can just grab it and deal with it i don't have an emergency system right like that was kind of the always the idea of if something crazy was going on someone could always get to me because i was wearing my watch well i just don't have that anymore uh right. that's that's just gone yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say, whenever I talk to people about reducing notifications, people are always worried about the emergency scenario, and I think people vastly overrate that. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. like it's a thing that's on your mind because you you can very easily imagine some terrible downside scenario under which you know you like you would have wanted to be able to be contactable and not being contactable is a huge problem, but those events are are so rare in life i don't think it makes sense to optimize what your life is like on a daily basis for an event that may occur once every five years uh so yeah i'm I'm with i'm with you on this like it it can be it can feel a little unnerving to lose that but it's not nearly as as bad as people think it is and so like you know i really stand by my the way that i wore my apple watch right if mm-hmm. I was going to wear a device that notifies me, the decisions that I made about shutting everything else off, it all goes there, I think is great. Like, But if I'm not going to wear that device, my system is just different. It's just somewhere else. And the thing is, my Apple Watch never made me happy. Mm-hmm. My new watch makes me happy. I like looking at it. I love hearing it tick. The ticking is like that is one thing that I do miss from having a mechanical watch ages ago is is that the ticking is deeply satisfying. And and it's so interesting to me, like the way I hold my hand. So if I hold my hand to my head and it is facing me, kind of like with my palm facing me, I can hear the ticking. But if I turn mm-hmm. my wrist, I can't hear it anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's just like so I hear it every now and then. I love the act of winding it every day. You know, like I wake up in the morning and I and I have to turn the crown and, and it's got the power in it. I love the little power indicator that I have on it. Um, I like looking at it. It makes me happy. I like that if I'm not doing anything at the moment, the date turns over, I can feel it because the mechanism is quite powerful. The spring is quite powerful. 
Hmm. So kind of when the date turns over, I feel like dunk. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. I do get phantom taps. Oh, you mean phantom taps on your wrist? Every now and then I think that my wrist is notifying me of something and I look at it, but that's not true. <laughs> I think there's going to be a long half-life on those yes. phantom taps. I can't believe it's still happening. Yeah. Like I remember when I switched to the Apple Watch, the phantom taps from my pocket, which now were no longer occurring because I did the same thing that you did, which is like phone. You're, you're, you're never going to do anything ever again, phone. Uh, but yeah, it took a long time for the phantom oh my phone buzzed to go away it's Mm -hmm. it's kind of a crazy insight into your brain it's like your brain is expecting a certain kind of stimulus and if it doesn't get it it's just going to manufacture that stimulus on its own (laughs) it's just like well this hasn't happened for a while so i guess i'll just pretend it happened yeah it's like wow that's a concerning look into the mind of humans and Mm -hmm. perhaps applicable across very many things but we'll just put that aside for the moment apple pay sucks (laughs) I, I used to love Apple Pay on my watch, right? You just tap that side button twice and I could use it to get in the tube. Apple Pay on the iPhone ten is terrible. The requirement for it to see your face and authenticate, I don't like that. Like, yeah. that's nowhere near as good as just like you can you can tap it and just get it ready without ever looking at it. Yeah. Honestly, I actually think that's the biggest frustration that I have with doing this. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're using the underground, like that's that's where yeah. it is just the smoothest is like, you know, don't break your stride. Boop, boop, tap the watch twice. Click on the way in, click on the way out like that. That is the smoothest yep. Apple Pay watch experience that oh, exists. I like put my face to it. And it's like can't recognize that to put in the passcode. I'm sitting, standing at the turnstile putting in my passcode yeah oh. now you're that guy especially that guy. what am i a tourist like oh yeah. it's the worst i hate it i really hate doing that but look the thing is i have not worn my apple watch for more like if i when i swim i put my apple watch on because like this watch isn't waterproof really like not for swimming mm-hmm. and i the apple watch will track the, the workout so i put it on then oh yeah i was gonna ask why you even bother so you just you're just using it as a how how well did this exercise go tracker at that point yeah it's a, it's just a workout tracker right like that's okay. what i'm using it for um and it also it lets me so i can time how long i've been swimming for as well right like it i prefer that than the big clock which you can't always see or whatever like i like to just know how long have i been here like how long when am i going to leave that kind of thing but i have absolutely no desire to go back to the apple watch like i don't i don't miss it i just don't miss it there there are trade-offs and i'm dealing with those trade-offs but for my current state, like I feel like the trade-offs that I'm having to make, they are not equivalent to how much I enjoy wearing this piece of jewelry. Like mm. I, I get more enjoyment out of that than I do dissatisfaction for having to do with my system. And again, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about iOS 12 in a bit, but iOS 12 is making it even easier for me to deal with this stuff. Yeah, like I said, you, you picked a good time to make this oh, transition perfect. if you're going to make this transition. Roll back the tape to the last episode. Why do you think I was focusing on notifications so heavily as what I was interested in, right? It's because my phone's been getting them all for the for like for like six weeks or something before that. <laughs> I I'm not saying I will never go back to the Apple Watch, because I don't want to say that because I don't know that's the case. Mm-hmm. I just know it is very unlikely at this point. Mm-hmm. But I could and you know what will probably happen, I I, I might end up like flip-flopping right like if the next apple watch is really amazing in some way maybe i'll uh maybe i'll drop in on it for a bit right and see what's going on but like there are little things like i have my hand on the table right now mm-hmm. i can look down oh look there's the time i don't mm-hmm. have to raise my wrist in front of my face to see what the time is right you know it's like stuff like that like the reasons i used to wear watches 
before the Apple Watch. Those reasons are back, and they're back with something that I really love. Mm-hmm. I love my watch. It's beautiful, and I'm very happy to wear it. I'm in total agreement with you when you run through your reasons. And the number one thing there is, if a human is not trying to optimize in some sense for happiness, right, either happiness in the long term or happiness in the big picture, like, what is the point of what you're doing? <laughs> so, like, this is this is definitely a thing that I have... I think as I have gotten older, there are things that I used to think of as not real, which I now, as a more mature person, recognize as real. And so like, I know a younger version of me would think about watches in terms of a feature checklist. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a thing that you can see in many conversations about technology where people want to argue a feature checklist. And it's like, well, but it's not, it's not all about that. Or it makes me happy is a real feature, right? It it may not be a feature that you can put on a product page, but it's a feature that really matters. Mm -hmm. And something like pleasant ticking sound is also a feature that really matters. And do you see on this watch page the back of it? All the beautiful gears and stuff. Oh, okay. So this is, this is one of the ones where you get to flip over and take a look at it. If you scroll down on the page, they have a, an image and you can click front and back. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. It's so beautiful to just look at. I mean, Mike, you don't have to sell me on, on, gears. on the beauty <laughs> of well-made gears turning in a precise manner. I mean, is mm-hmm. is there anything more beautiful in the universe? I think not. So I, I am I am with you 100% on on this decision it's like if if you if this watch gives you an ineffable happiness then that is a totally reasonable thing to optimize for and the trade-offs of not being able to get notifications in a in a particular way it's like that's a completely sensible trade-off and it would almost seem crazy to try to argue it from the other side like Mm -hmm. you should have more features but be less happy isn't that the better solution like well no not really (laughs) And yeah, also, I think it's good to get on the record that this doesn't mean that you're wearing a mechanical watch for all of time. No. Right? Like, things things change and... Like, Apple could make something that I consider to be truly beautiful, which mm-hmm. I don't consider the current Apple Watch to be. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, you are now beautiful. I want to wear it and I get extra stuff, right? Yeah. Like, there is... This is, like, this is why I, I would never... I try as much as I can now to make less like permanently declarative statements mm-hmm. about the decisions that I make. And this is definitely one of them. Right? It's like, right now, this is what I like. But I completely reserve the right to change. Yeah, and like thinking about the Apple Watch as a, as a product, like one thing when I, I do talk to people who are watch people and mm-hmm. I'm like discussing the Apple Watch is I, I do just think about the Apple Watch on a longer time frame that mechanical watches are beautiful and they and they can make you happy. But the Apple Watch is a product where well, like well at a certain point if they do keep adding features, like they can end up with killer features that override like the the aesthetic pleasures of a mechanical watch and, and they also have the ability to make it more attractive over time like <laughs> yes. that's something that they can do 
you know? That, that is true. That That is maybe one that I wouldn't be like holding my hope out for, right? But but at a certain point, like when the Apple Watch is able to do like continuous glucose and insulin monitoring in your system and give you like real-time updates on you, like, like at that point, you just become crazy to say, no, I'm going to accept tremendous negative health downsides in the future that the Apple Watch can help me avoid. Mm-hmm. Like, in, in in that future world, it becomes a different kind of thing. But no, if, like for right now, I, I think if if this watch makes you happy, like I think it's a good decision. Mm-hmm. It's a very good decision to wear it. And, and it also feels, listening to you tell the details that I was unaware about how this came to be, that the the stars of the universe aligned to make sure that Mike was wearing this watch. Right? Yep. Like, everything was perfect. Like you were in an environment where you felt okay wearing it for a little bit. You had a, a shepherd leading you, leading the way to get the exact correct watch. And yeah, everything everything seemed like it was just perfect for you. So I'm very happy for you in your mechanical watch. I, I already have my eye on my next one. <laughs> That's what happens though, right? It's never... I know what I want next. <laughs> this was always my concern as being yeah. a, a pen person, mm-hmm. right? I know I like expensive, beautiful things. Right. Because pens, the pens that I buy, are expensive and beautiful. They're not, as right. ex- you, they're not as expensive as these watches are, though, and that's why I was concerned about myself. Right? Like, right. Where, do I, where do I go from here? I don't know. Uh, it's like, oh, that's why you're pushing for more Cortex episodes. I understand no. now. <laughs> I have a watch to buy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> or I could just do what I did with the pen addict, right? Like, start a pen podcast, and the business buys the pens. <laughs> Right, yeah. Coming soon to Real <laughs> FM Watch Show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've enjoyed this section of Watch Tech. <laughs> there we go. We talk about watches on Cortex, and now, now there we go. Watch reviews. Yeah, by, by branding it Watch Tech, it's now, it's now officially part of the business. There you go, Mike. <laughs> That's my wedding gift to you. <laughs> this episode of Cortex is brought to you by Squarespace. You can make your next move with Squarespace because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea. With their ability to get you a unique domain and their award-winning templates and all of their other features, Squarespace is the easiest, simplest place to build a website. Whether you just want to have a single-page site to show off a portfolio of your work or whether you want to create a blog to last for many years or if you want to sell goods online in an online store, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, there are no patches to worry about, no upgrades necessary. Squarespace just has you covered. You get to focus on the content for your site, on the quality of your ideas. Squarespace handles all of the technical backend and the aesthetic front end. When people want to know how to make a website quickly, I always recommend Squarespace. Their plans start at just $12 a month, but you can begin a free trial with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com cortex. There you can build a website, you can see what it will look like, and when you decide to sign up, use the offer code CORTEX to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for CORTEX. Once again, that's squarespace.com CORTEX and use the code CORTEX to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. 
great. Where actually, where in the world are you right now? I don't actually think I know. Are, are you still like roaming the desert lands somewhere out in California? Where are you? My body is no longer in California. Okay, but my brain is still in California. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm having a hard time placing placing the timeline, but I think I just got back from West Coast time two days ago, and I'm I'm in the midst of some some really bad jet lag. Mm. Sometimes I come back and I feel like, oh, I, I luck out and I relatively smoothly get back into the swing of things. But uh, this time, after a month, almost exactly in America, I'm having a real bad jet lag day. I would say I'm not surprised, man. Like when I came back from WWDC, I was a wreck. It's the worst jet lag I've ever had. It lasted like 10 days. Yeah. Like this is me coming, re- returning from the back of VidCon. And returning from a conference is the additional barrier where, like, if you had just, let's say you lived in California, Mike, and you went to WWDC, you would still need several days after yeah. that to just recover from what the event yep. was. I don't know. This is, this is one of those things, whenever you talk about it on a podcast, like, I just, it's it's impossible to convey. And I think it, maybe it comes across a little bit as, as like, complaining about an awesome thing because, like, the conferences are interesting and important to go to. But they are, as someone doing shows or like meeting people or going to, like doing all of this stuff, it is just so draining in a way that is impossible to explain. Like it's a very different experience from being an attendee at a conference. And yeah, so I think when like you've been at WWDC and you've gone through, like you in particular, like you went through an emotional roller coaster yeah, it was a big on like it was a it was a big WWDC for you as like but that just on top of all of your responsibilities as like a person who is participating in the conference to then return and also have to go through you know whatever it is like nine hours of of readjustment it's I, I think those those two things have a dark synergy which mm-hmm. makes a jet lag way worse and uh this this year for my big summer of traveling I was intentionally trying to turn down the dial on a lot of things to try to make it a little bit easier this time for me and thank god I did because there was like a lot of unexpected things that came up which is like oh boy if I hadn't turned down the dial I'd be really screwed hmm. but last year which was like the roughest one for me yeah when I came back from that like the jet lag you know, it was a long time before I felt like a normal person. And it was just because you're, you're combining all of these various effects. So I think I'm in a, a, a little bit of that right now. Like we were, we're recording the podcast in the evening, but I woke up like barely two hours before we were <laughs> scheduled to record. And I had no idea or no intention. Like I just, it was just like, like, ah, like I woke up. You're going to be closing down the bar next weekend. <laughs> You're going to be great. It's like, what time, what time is it? Right. And, and, and then I look at the clock, I'm like, Jesus, how, how did this even happen? I look at my little sleep tracker and it's like, you have been asleep for 13 hours. Like, oh dear. Okay. That was unexpected. Thanks brain. Morning. (laughs) Yeah. But no, I won't be, I won't be closing down the bar next week because I'll probably be readjusted just enough, like just right in time to then have like a wild, night of Mike wedding party to then mess everything up again and, and yeah. throw it all yeah. off. So uh, I can't, I can't say that I'm really looking forward to this next 10 days or so of, of readjustment. But anyway, that is the long answer to I'm back from 
conference season. <laughs> is VidCon more or less tiring for you than WWDC? Oh man, that's an interesting question. Okay. Let me let me put it this way. I enjoy going to WWDC more. But it's a totally unfair comparison because at WWDC things are much more spread out because it's a week versus uh I I I set myself a hard max of 3 days at VidCon. Uh, technically I could spend five days there, but I've learned it's like three days and I'm out. I don't care what is happening like the day before. Mm. And I don't care what is happening the day after. Like I right, can't. Because the conference is three days, but there are ancillary events on either side, right? Yeah. Yeah. There are an enormous, like, like VidCon unofficial is much more like a five day conference. Right. Uh, because like anybody who watches vloggers who go to VidCon, like you, you see all sorts of companies are throwing ancillary events immediately before and immediately after and like there's always stuff to do but i i give myself a real hard limit to like three days and then i'm out of here right like i am on a i'm on a plane into the sunset as fast as i can possibly be so vidcon is way more draining even though it's the shorter period of time but that's also just because like at vidcon i have so much more work-related stuff right it's like every day is filled with things that are even if it's not like directly business related, it's it's much more like my industry. Whereas at WWDC, I feel almost like an interloper. I mean, like I'm I'm there and and we record a podcast about WWDC and you know we do talk about Apple stuff, but it, it's much more like oh I'm here and this is this is just like an interesting experience that I get to have as as a foreigner. And I get to see like, oh, here's all the developers. This is their work conference that they're going for. And I'm just I'm just observing this herd of of developers and their and their lifestyle. Whereas like VidCon, it's like, oh, it's all it's all wrapped up in my industry and it makes it just a much more complicated experience. But th- that is why the VidCon is is way more draining. But the interesting thing though, Mike, is in terms of getting recognized. WWDC is ground zero for me That's getting recognized. It's so weird. It's so weird. Like, no joke, I must get recognized. I'm, like, I'm trying to think of a reasonable number. I guess, I guess what I can say is, I'll phrase it this way. At WWDC, if I leave the hotel, I think I've got something like a 60% chance of getting recognized if I'm just running an errand. Uh, and at VidCon, that number that number is way lower <laughs> it's, it's like, like oh with okay. your combined audiences of your two shows mm-hmm. it is a fraction of your youtube audience size right yeah like of the people that would see one of your videos mm-hmm. i mean the only thing i can think of is that no do you know what? i have no idea i have no idea why i, I can't work it out because you know, just by the law of averages, there's probably more people at VidCon that know who you are because combined with the shows and the videos. Yeah. That's so weird to me. I wonder, I, have, I can't place why that would be. Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, one, one of which is, I mean, VidCon, I don't know how many people were there this year, but last year, I think the number they estimated was something like 50, 60,000 people at VidCon last year. And it is a lot of people. And I do get recognized there. But I also think that VidCon shifts very heavily towards a particular 
screaming demographic. Oh, so the demos think, are different. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's there's two things that are going on there. I think among the VidCon screamers demographic, my videos are going to be much underrepresented compared to the general population. And then on the flip side, while the, the people who go to WWDC, I think those people are overrepresented in my demographic. Like the, like the phrase I kept using is like, oh, these people are my kind of nerds, right? And it's like, aha. So I, I think that's partly what it is. It's, it's there's a big demographic skew. And the number of people who watch my videos or like listen to Cortex in particular is like way overrepresented in the types of people who go to WWDC. That is a good point. And there's like, there's like an interesting thing where even for me, I think Cortex is overrepresented at WWDC. Yeah, it, it was it was quite fascinating to see. Like there were a lot of Cortex shirts around San Jose, there were, and lots of high fives. <laughs> oh yeah, one sided high five. You know, if you think about all of my shows, even like my Apple focused shows, I would get just like more people tell me they listen to this show and maybe another one of those, right? Or just tell me this show. Mm-hmm. In like a way that didn't make sense based upon how like those shows stack up against each other. It's really weird in a good way. I love it, but it's very strange. It's an interesting comparison against your other Apple focused shows because like while we do talk about Apple stuff on here, like this isn't an this isn't an Apple podcast in the same way that like Connected is a technology podcast, but it's way Apple. And it's like I think it's it, there might be this thing where you know, like connected is focused on news, right? And mm-hmm. if you don't care about that, but you are a nerd, mm-hmm. you might be more likely to listen to this nerdy show than the news show, mm-hmm. right? That, like, you know, as you say, like our kinds of nerds, right? Like the people that listen to our show really care about certain specific things that are maybe a little bit more general. Yeah. Except for time tracking. No, but <laughs> no, but see, here's the thing. I got a lot of people saying like, oh, they want to hear more about time tracking in person, right? Like they, they took the opportunity to Those like... Those people, they keep themselves private, right? They won't, they won't talk about it on Reddit yeah. if they want to hear it, but they'll tell us. Yeah, like like I was getting petitions from people where they're like, you gotta, you gotta do more of the time tracking stuff. <laughs> like I really enjoyed it, but I was just gonna say like, it was it was interesting as well. Just just observing you that it it seemed like your recognition at at WWDC also went up oh, quite a lot this yeah. year. This year was incredible. Like just the amount of people that would stop their scooters and say hi, right? Like I had that a few <laughs> times, right? And it was it was very different this year and. Um, I never really took selfies before with people mm-hmm. like it previous WWDCs, but this year it was like a lot like where last time it happened, but was infrequent. Like mostly mm-hmm. people just wanted to talk. But this time there were a lot of selfies. Yeah. Um, I did want to mention a tip. Like um, I took a picture with someone and afterwards she gave me the phone and it was in uh, markup mode. And said, sign the picture. Oh, yeah, I saw this. This was genius. This is one of the smartest things that I have ever seen. So I just want to impart this tip to someone. If you ever meet anyone and take a selfie with them, ask them to sign it. Like, it's genius. Yeah, I saw her, I saw her do that. And I was like, that is a, that is a brilliant 
idea. Uh, I thought that was th- like, why have I not seen a million people do this before? That's such a clever idea. Like, I think she was using Snapchat. Yeah, she was using. Yeah, she totally was using Snapchat to but do it. But you can do it in the Photos app, right? You just mm-hmm. mark up the photo in the in, mm-hmm. or like take a screenshot of it and go into markup mode and sign. It's genius. Like completely changed <laughs> the way that I I think about interactions with people. Like it was so smart. But yeah, I like my the, like yeah, it was way more for me. Um, than it had been previously. Like there, there have been a change. I don't know what it is, but there's been a change. Maybe it was old Timmy C on stage talking about me. You know, it changed everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the other thing, you know, again, like comparing the two conferences in my mind, I am genuinely glad that it works out this way for me because it, it's like I was, I was, I was having such a hard way of like delicately saying this is like I am fine with being recognized at these conferences because I think it would be unreasonable to go to them and expect people to just leave you alone all the time stupid like you can't you can't you can't be public in the way that we are and go to an event with his people and be like i don't want to see anyone like why are you yeah. there then yeah well well i mean you can be there for other reasons right sure. and it's like i go to the conferences for other reasons and this is this is totally a thing that's like a a trade-off in life. It's like, I just, I accept that this is a thing that's going to happen. And then I'm like, okay, I'm fine. Like I'm going into it and, and knowing that. Uh, but I'm, I'm sort of glad that I get recognized much less at VidCon because, because that one is already so overwhelming. And it's also the one where it's like, I'm much more pressed for time, like moving between different locations to do different things. So I am, I'm glad that WWDC happens to be the one where if I'm going to pick one that I'm more recognized at, that's the one yeah and, and i bet the interactions will be way more chill at wwdc yeah the interactions are much more relaxed and and the other the other point that i wanted to make which is i i think also why like when you're trying to mentally puzzle out like you do these apple podcasts but then people are mentioning cortex in particular i i, I was aware last year but i was particularly aware this year that lots of people who said hi wanted to say hi and then also convey some way that this show had had an impact on them. And so I, I think that's partly why it may be in the front of their minds. And it's it's just interesting to hear people talk about, I think particularly with, with this show, like side projects they have started or changes they've made in their life or way they ways they've tried to improve themselves. Yearly themes, man. I... So many people were talking to me about either yearly themes or the daily questions stuff. Yeah. And it just made me so happy to hear. And like, I see it in the Reddit too. And like, people share them and, and like they share their themes or they share their daily questions that they do. And like, it just makes me so happy to see that. Like, I love it. it it's, it's really like, it warms my heart, right? To, to see that people take some of the stuff that we're talking about and, and it makes some kind of positive impact, especially when those two things specifically, I believe in so strongly now and they've made such mm. a big impact on my life that I genuinely believe the power of them. And it's really nice to, to know that there are other people in the world that are, that are using them to an effect. I love it. You know, th- those two things, I, I think, of, of stuff that we've done on the show recently, like those those have had a clear impact on people thinking about it, like bringing that to their attention. But I, I also, I think about it in, in a particular way that I, I heard reflected back from people who wanted to say hi, which is that it is it is often just 
useful to feel like you are part of a conversation between two people who are just talking about this stuff. And even if it's not any particular thing, the idea of being able to listen into two other people discuss like, oh, how do you do this? Or how do you do that? That that just puts your mind in a in a good spot for thinking about that with yourself. Like it, yeah. it causes yeah. you to be more aware of, oh, is, is there a way that I can change this in my life to make it better? And yeah, so I don't, you know, I don't want to get all mushy or anything, but it is, it is one way that at WWDC in particular, like it's, it's a very meaningful kind of feedback to receive that, mm-hmm. that you've had like a positive impact on a, on a person's life. So so I'm going to take this this like emotional conversation as part of uh, a result of your jet lag. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I think we're perfectly yeah. warranted to talk about this as we have just passed our third anniversary of this show, like a couple of weeks ago. Oh. So whoa. I feel like, you know, it's perfectly wow. fine to be so introspective and talk about the show this time because we're now we're now three years old. I didn't realize that, Mike. Mm-hmm. We've been doing this a lot. I, I still think of this as like a new... It's my new show. It's my yeah. most recent show, even though I have so many shows that have started since. There's just I think it's because we're three years old, but only like 70 episodes in that it yeah, kind maybe of that's it breaks it my is. mental yeah. model of like how shows work, right? right. Like it's, this doesn't make any sense because <laughs> I have shows that are basically as old as this one that are approaching 200 episodes. So, right. you know, it, it's all broken. But yeah, that's why we can get, we can talk about the show because we've just passed a milestone. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I, 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 I feel this. I'm like, why am I, why am I feeling this so strongly? And yes, it's exactly, it's a milestone, which I didn't recognize, but let, yeah, it's a milestone. And also uh, I'm de- deeply jet lagged, but you know, I, I still want to still want to just impart that if I if I you know I do meet someone and and say hello and you say a meaningful thing, I'm still going to put hand sanitizer on my hands after saying hi. So just like don't take it personally. <laughs> With a tear rolling down my face and the purell in my hands. <laughs> it's very nice to meet you. Scrub, 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 scrub. <laughs> this is the first conference that I have ever considered hand sanitizer as like an important thing. And this is because there's a show that I love called Dubai Friday. And whilst I was on my way out to WWDC, they did an episode about germs. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge show. I love it, by the way. You should check it out. It's a fantastic show. And they set challenges every week and they complete the challenges. And the challenge of this one was to swab things in your house, including your hands, leave them for a week and see how the bacteria grows. Mm-hmm. I was listening to this on a plane, which is possibly the worst place to think about bacteria. Yeah. Um, locked in this tube. But then when I arrived at WWDC, there was a phrase that Max on the show was using. It's hot hands was mm-hmm. the phrase. Like you touch anything and you have hot hands. So don't put them on your face because they're hot hands. So I yeah. went and bought hand sanitizer and hand sanitizing wipes. And this is the first time I've ever come back from WWDC with a clean bill of health. No mm-hmm. cold, nothing. And it's because, you know, you're meeting people all the time. Everyone's got germs all over them, right? Yeah. And these aren't my germs. So they can make me sick. And there are people that are sick that are going to be there. And then I'm talking to people. I'm shaking hands with people. I'm just touching loads of stuff because I'm out in the world. Yeah. I, I, I want to I back this up because, <laughs> again, people can think you're kind of like a nutty germaphobe for this sort of thing but but it is also again like 
when you, for example, Mike, like you do a live show and then afterward you stick around and you're saying hi to everybody, you're shaking 100, 200 hands in the space of an hour. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's, you know, if people are like, oh, what a, what a nutty germaphobe for carrying sand sanitizer. Like, but this is a different situation, right? The people meeting you are just shaking your hand. Yeah. I have multiplied my possibility of getting a cold by 200. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and also as people think like, oh, people overestimate or they think you're being ridiculous about it. But a big quality of life improvement from when I left teaching and became self-employed and interacted with, uh, you know, went from interacting with several hundred children every day. No disgusting children <laughs> Yeah, anymore. to interacting with no one is, this is going to sound like an overstatement, but it was almost like I forgot what just not being sick was. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I I hadn't quite realized that I was very frequently just constantly at a low level of sickness, aside from just genuinely being unwell on a like a very frequent basis. Right? Whereas whereas now, like when I get a cold or something worse, it's it's like how dare this happen to me? Right? Like it happens so rarely. <laughs> get out, you done spot. Like be gone. <laughs> yeah, I used to just accept this as a regular part of life. But then after leaving teaching, it's like, oh, of course. The number of times I get sick has has gone from always to like a rare event. And yeah, I I try to be very conscious at conferences about keeping your hands clean. Touching your face, like you said, is is a is a very clear one. Like, watch the eyes, man. Like, don't touch your eyes. And then also just food. Like, you have to be very careful about the food. And it's like, don't eat don't eat stuff that's in the conference hall. Uh, you know, <laughs> have your own supply or go somewhere else. Yeah, you have to be careful about that stuff because otherwise you're guaranteed to come back. And like, fingers crossed, many many bottles of hand sanitizer have prevented me from being sick on top of dealing with jet lag coming back. I can't guarantee that that was the reason, but I just know it's the only thing I did differently. Right. Right. And and I feel like I have gotten through and it's not a terrible thing. And there we go. And now also I, I just in general wash my hands a lot more these days. And I think it's helping me like just <laughs> in random points, points of the day. I'm like, I wash my hands now. This could end up being a problem for me, but as of right now, it's good. Right, right. I want to be clear. This is not this is not a compulsion. No, but for you, Mike, this might be how a compulsion starts. It's not a compulsion. I just sometimes feel like I want to do it, and then I just do it. It's not a compulsion. It's fine. It's nothing. But you could you could not wash your hands, and when that thought came into your head of you could wash your hands, you could just sit there and try to avoid it for the next. We have nice soaps. You know, I just like to use them. That's all it is. You do have very nice soap. I can vouch for that. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Casper. Listeners of this show are invited to take advantage of Casper's competitive, limited-time 4th of July offer. Casper sells their mattresses directly to you, eliminating added costs and saving you money. So it is the place to shop for your mattress savings this year on the 4th of July. There are three mattress lines to choose from. They have the original Casper, the Innovative Wave, and the Essential. And the breathable design of each mattress helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night and you could be sure of your purchase with casper's 100 night risk-free sleep on it trial they will deliver directly to your door and if for any reason you don't love it casper has a hassle-free return policy as you know from listening to this show i am someone who travels a lot and being able to return to your comfortable mattress is about the best thing that can happen 
when you return from travel. And you are going to feel super good on that Casper mattress. They feel so good to sit on. They feel so good to sleep on because they are super soft, but they're supportive. It's kind of magic how they're able to do what they do over at Casper. I love it. For a limited time, you can go to casper.com slash savings and you can save up to $225 off your order. This offer is for a limited time only, so if you've been thinking about buying a Casper mattress, this is the perfect time to check it out. This offer expires on July 9th, 2018 and terms and conditions apply. So once again, that is casper.com slash savings to save up to $225 until July the 9th. Our thanks to Casper for their support of this show. Gray, are you running the iOS 12 beta? Well, if we rewind the clock on a previous episode, I think I said that I wanted to wait until public beta 2 or public beta 3. (laughs) No joke. I had the public beta 1 on my phone within 45 minutes of it being announced. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I am on the developer beta because I basically, oh, as soon God, as beta 2 came out, I was like, I got it. I'm just going to do it. So I did. I went for it. I actually think I installed it before beta 2. I think I was on the tail end of beta 1. I mean, I would, I would criticize you for living dangerously by putting the developer beta on your phone. Uh, that said, I was having some... Well, it doesn't matter, but I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put the developer beta on my watch. <laughs> that is an absolute do not do. Like Federico put it on his watch and it is not reading his heart rate correctly anymore. Yeah, it's it's uh, not a recommended. The watch is a bad idea. No, it's a terrible idea. It was such a bad idea for the first week that Apple had to remove it because it was bricking watches. Like do not do. Yeah, I waited until after that. But then, then you know. <laughs> <laughs> put it on you actually have the watch beta on yeah i have the watch oh, beta no. running how's that going watch. is it okay uh it's fine it's it's fine uh mm. i i did it because uh, this, this is how i talked myself into doing it so obviously the reason that you and i have put the beta on our phone is the same reason that we want to play around with the notification stuff like that's that's the big thing to do right now with the beta uh, because the shortcuts app which we both discussed last time is going to be a huge deal for ios in general is not currently available in the beta i don't Mm -hmm. know if or when or how that's ever going to appear Uh, but at the moment that's not around so the main thing to do with the beta is notification stuff and uh, as i said last time the details of how they implement the notifications really really matter and really affect if this can be a useful thing or not and so i i was trying some of the notification stuff and recognizing that i was getting notifications on my watch when i wasn't expecting them based on the settings on my phone and it suddenly it occurred to me i was like wait a minute nothing they ever said at wwdc had anything to do with notifications on the watch it was all just notifications on the phone. And I was thinking, you know, I wouldn't put it past Apple to not have this system work in both places. And then I, then I just like, I started wondering and I couldn't stop myself from wondering. I'm like, well, the only way I can find out is if I just install the developer beta on my phone. I disagree uh, which with that. I did. Because I do have the answer to that question. No, the only way to know uh, was to install to the developer for beta. Sure. <laughs> for sure. It's the only, because who can trust Mike? The only way. <laughs> the only to way to know. truly know. And uh, the answer is, I still don't quite know if some behavior is buggy or if it's expected behavior, but there are group notifications on the watch. Yeah. Uh, so 
that's that's one thing. And you can get notification center anywhere on the watch now. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. The public beta came out. I could not. I could not resist, and I immediately threw it on my phone. And it's been it's been very interesting. We're talking at the point where you know it's. I guess it's been on my on my phone for about a week. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, look looking at my screen time chart, it's been mm-hmm. seven days exactly that I've had the beta on my phone, and I I think this is going to be useful for me. But this is going to be a time of change and experimentation in how I'm using my phone. So I'm at a very indeterminate point right now where I'm just trying to figure out how can this be useful or how do I need to change the way I work on iOS to take advantage of of the new notification stuff in iOS 12. So, I mean, I would say it is an improvement for me in basically every single way. Mm-hmm. Grouping is incredible. I'm so happy that that has come back because, you know, I have bemoaned many times that in iOS 11, they removed uh, grouping by app, which was like sorting by app in Notification Center for seemingly no reason. Looks like the reason was because they were doing this. I kind of wished that Apple sometimes did everything at the same time rather than half here and half there. Right. But, yeah. you know, but they did it. And now the grouping system is incredible. So it groups currently by um, applications. In, in future, I believe when developers take advantage of everything that's going on here, the phone will actually be able to group by broad topic area. So, like social networking. Mm-hmm. And also, if you have an application which is maybe conversation-based, something like Slack, it will be able to, in theory, group all of your notifications based upon certain channels that you're talking in, in the same way that iMessage does. Oh, wow. Okay, interesting. I didn't even realize that. So iMessage right now, it will group all of your individual conversations. So if you have a thread, like two different conversations going on, you get notifications for them, it it collapses them by the thread that you're in. Mm -hmm. And developers can use that as well, is my understanding. So... It can it will get even better, but this grouping is it's perfect for me. Like I can look at my notifications and I can see what's going on. The the new tools that they have, I have been managing my notifications more in the past two weeks than I have in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Of like apps come in, you swipe over, you press the manage button, and then I'm like turn off completely or the deliver quietly, which I really mm-hmm. like. And that it's finally separated the lock screen and notification center from each other again, which again, they brought them together in iOS 11, but it didn't make any sense. But now you look at the lock screen, you see what's there, you pull up and you see things that are in notification center. And this stuff is either old stuff or it's stuff that you've asked not to buzz you and not to alert you. And that's what deliver quietly means. They just go into notification center and you don't find out about them any other way. The thing with deliver quietly, which I think is, is kind of genius on Apple's part, is that's not new. You could, you could in iOS 11 set up notifications mm-hmm. to do that it, it's just it was not obvious to people that this was even a thing that was possible well because it's one button right that operates like four different check boxes yeah because it turns off sounds it changes the alert type and turns off badges yeah i had a million things set up to the like quote deliver quietly feature so that they would only appear in, in the swipe up thing uh but i think it's it is a great idea for apple to bundle that stuff together into a concept right where it's like no nobody's going to remember like oh i gotta flip these four switches if i want this behavior like the deliver quietly button is a great great addition and i I think it's a good example of 
user interface making something easier for people to do. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, this was possible in the past, but essentially nobody did it because you'd have to be a lunatic about managing your notifications to figure it out and to also set that up on, you know, a dozen apps or something. So I think it's, it is a really great addition to have that swipe over and be able to just hit deliver quietly. It's, it's really nice. So, I mean, for me, like the notification stuff so far is, is an absolute win and there's still so much more functionality that can and will be added. Like it's, it's, Considering how I'm moving back to the phone, yeah, it, it's perfect it's, for me. I, like I'm, I'm really smiling. You know, be, being aware that you're you've moved back to the phone because I think the current state of things is like actually maybe notification management on the phone, particularly for someone like you, is the better way to try to do it than notifications on the watch, mm -hmm. uh, because. You know, because the way you receive notifications, you're going to want to take advantage of that screen space in a way that the watch just can't really replicate. So it's it really is like perfect, perfect season for Mike with moving back to the phone and having these features, because if you are a heavy notification user on the phone, like it's a much better way to interact with stuff. Do Not Disturb is really good, too. You know, some of the changes that they've made, like. In, in control center where you can just hold it and be like for an hour or until this calendar event is done. Mm -hmm. I've liked that a lot too because now my phone will buzz when I'm recording a show where it didn't before and that can be distracting or sometimes you can hear it, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the recording. But now I can just, because I have all my shows in my calendar, just 3D touch on the, on the little icon in control center and say until Cortex is done. Mm -hmm. or whatever and, and stuff like that is just nice little improvements that i like a lot yeah that that is definitely a nice little a little change the leave this location one is also like i can definitely see using that for yeah being yeah. at a meeting with someone like oh i'm at a mm -hmm. cafe and we're having a conversation it's like this isn't on the calendar i don't know how long this is going to be maybe if it's over in 20 minutes then i'm back in the world like that is for sure a thing i would have used a bunch at conferences where the tension there is always I, like i have the phone much more open to the world and like until i leave this location is a perfect use of do not disturb uh in that situation like i want to pay attention to this meeting and then when it's over I want to know what happened. Something that I really like, and it was a reason that I was quite, I didn't like to turn notification, uh, do not disturb on and off. Was like sometimes I never remember if I have it on or not. Yeah, it's very easy to lose track of it. Now it shows you on the lock screen, there is a big banner that says do not disturb is on. And it's telling you what's happening. You know, it says that calls and notifications are silenced while your iPhone is locked. Like it's telling mm -hmm. you what it's going to do. And then you can just turn it off straight from there. So I can feel yeah. comfortable in setting it more often because I'm not going to forget that it's on for two days or whatever. Yeah, it's it's funny because uh, I want to talk about uh, the downtime feature as well. Like that's the one that's most interesting for me. Uh, but the one place that I find myself that I do kind of want to manage notifications is I've been getting a lot of notifications from the notification system, like from the downtime system. Yeah. Right? Or yeah. I'm aware of the do not disturb stuff. And I'm like, I don't need to see this every like you can just put the little moon there and i know uh like i i really don't like um i just don't like excessive verbiage in my user interface and a lot of the phone feels super chatty and so it's like if i pick up the phone in the morning and it's like oh i have that bedtime mode on so it hides stuff and it's do not disturb and also i have downtime enabled 
my my phone has like four messages on the screen which are all telling me stuff i'm like i like i know like i know phone i don't need to know what's the weather do not disturb is on downtime is on also i've gotten this notification from downtime that a thing is expired it's like why is there no setting to change the notifications from the notification system <laughs> I'm just so aware of this frustration. Like, don't show me this stuff every time. I know. I know, man. I know. <laughs> I want to talk about downtime with you, actually. It's part of this new system that Apple's made that we spoke about uh, last time about kind of trying to tackle smartphone addiction, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like letting people take control of their devices. I, just, I feel like I missed this feature completely until I installed the beta. Well, yeah, like I remember when, when we recorded our live episode last time, like I had to point it out to you as a little thing because they did blow past it really quickly. And it was one of my frustrations when I was trying to find out information from people is I think a lot of people missed it in the keynote. I thought it was just the family thing because I, I knew that what you could do was for yourself set what they're calling app limits, an individual application. I can use it for this amount of time every day. Yeah. And I knew that parents in a family group could set app limits for other people. Right. So they, they call that downtime, right? They're using right. the phrase downtime in two different locations. I thought it was just something for children. Right. So that is why last episode I was saying, oh, I think I may have to set myself up as a child. Exactly. Because there was no indication in the keynote that downtime is going to be a user level feature for an individual. Like that mm -hmm. is the thing that I was most curious about. And that's the thing I've been playing with the most is like, okay, great. I don't need to have some crazy cockamamie scheme where I set myself up as a child from another device. Like downtime is just a feature that exists along with notification center that any user can just do for themselves yep. to limit access to apps. So what it will do is, you can set it on a schedule or you can turn it on manually. I think there should be a control center toggle for it, but there isn't right now. Yeah, there totally should be. Yeah, 100%. So you can set a period of time where only currently the, a default app you can't turn off is the phone, which makes sense. And then you can set a list of applications that are whitelisted. So you can say maybe only let me get access to messages and overcast. And literally everything else I can't open until the time is off. Now, if you are an adult setting this up for yourself or an individual setting it up for themselves, you do have to access a little self-restraint because you can press a button to allow yourself 15 minutes of access or to turn it off for the day. Like if you're mm -hmm. in a family unit, you can say no, right? Like you cannot turn it off. So there is a little slight difference, but I did think that for you, I think you're a person that can operate that kind of self-restraint because you basically have your own weird cockamamie way of doing this to your own devices, right? Where you turn off Safari and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I thought this is exactly what you wanted, right? Yeah. So, so this is the thing that I'm playing around with the most. And I, I'm, I am thinking of it in a totally different way from the way that they are intending but it's like, how how is this thing useful to me? So I'm going to send you a screenshot of what my home screen looks like at this very moment. Now, now, <laughs> okay. now, now again, users understand this is this is like a time of experimentation and change. So there's a lot of wacky stuff here. But I just want to I just want to focus on one thing. So you let me know when that comes through to you. Okay. All right. So what I'm trying here is downtime to me is much less useful as a I need to limit how much I use various apps because that is that is a thing that I 
mostly have under control in different ways. Like you said, of just simply restricting different devices to have different apps on them and blah, blah, blah. But downtime can do a thing that I have always wanted, but there has not been a way to achieve. So if someone were to go back through the history of Cortex and collect all of the screenshots of what my phone looks like, there have always been a tremendous lack of communication icons on my home screen, like messages, Slack, email, any of that kind of stuff. I don't have that on my home screen. And one of the reasons for that is, again, this idea that I'm very protective of my mornings and what I don't want to be distracted by are the communication apps. And I also was always frustrated that even if I wasn't having, say, Slack buzz me, and I had do not disturb on in the morning so that the notification wouldn't come through. If I picked up my phone, I would still see the badge and it would say, you've received 20 messages from Slack overnight. Right? And it's like, I don't want to see that. I want my mornings to be nice and smooth and the same. And I don't want to be aware of any notifications. And so what downtime does is if in the morning I set it and I say Slack, for example, is not allowed in the morning. It's not that I'm trying to restrict myself, like, oh, I use Slack and I wish I didn't. But downtime dims out the app and functionally acts like the app is uninstalled. So you will not see a badge. And any and the thing that was really important to me is any messages that would be in Notification Center are removed during downtime. And when downtime is over, oh, they will reappear. Damn, I haven't played around with it to that extent. I had no idea that it worked like that. That is really interesting. So like what downtime is to me is a much more strict version of notification control, right? Like that's what I'm interested in. Mm. And so because like before, one of the things like the way I had to be, because I had set up almost every app to like deliver quietly uh, in quotes, right? But that meant I had to be careful about not accidentally swiping up on the home screen and then seeing like, oh, there's a there's some problem in Slack that people want you to deal with. And it's like, oh, but I'm on my way to the office now to do some writing. And like, I don't even want this in my head. I don't want to deal with it. And so downtime allows me to accomplish this thing where in the screenshot I sent you, I now have like messages, Slack and mail on my home screen. And I also have badges on all of them. And. I'm just experimenting with this idea that I can have the communications apps back on my phone. I can also have them have badges, which will dramatically reduce me missing stuff that I'm dealing with as important. But those badges go away every night and don't reappear until the next morning. Now, there's a little bit of a problem here, which is like there are times when I want like with messages in particular, like I want to be able to send a message from my phone and like it limits me in this ability. But that's where the ability to on a particular app break out of downtime by just entering a code. To me, this is not like a, oh, you have to you have to express restraint and not enter that code. I'm like, no, no, my ability to enter that code is a total feature. Uh, because it's like, yes, sometimes I do want to send a message and, and have it go and I need to do something quickly. And I can I can say, like, I'm making the decision that I'll see whatever the badges are, but it's because I need to send this outgoing message now. So 
Downtime is very, very interesting to me, but not remotely for the reasons that I think Apple thinks that it is interesting. <laughs> but it is cool, though, because it is letting you kind of officially do a thing that you were really trying hard yeah. to kind of hack together. Yeah, with, without a doubt, this is making something much easier to do that was my eternal frustration before. And, and in, like I, in particular, the, the fact that they hide the badges and they remove the notifications from Notification Center, but put them back when downtime is turned back off, is like, that's a huge deal that is like, ah, great. I can have some apps be in this super quarantine. So my my downtime whitelist for the apps that are allowed is hilarious, right? Because it's every app that I have, except for the ones that I want to put into this quarantine mode, right? So like mm -hmm. I'm using it in this totally reverse way of like, oh, I'm not, I'm not trying to like just a couple of good apps are whitelisted during this period. It's like, no, no, everything is whitelisted. There's just a couple of bad apps that are like disallowed during downtime. So yeah, it's been really interesting. As always, the thing with Apple, though, that I, that I think all of us worry about when they improve something that you like is I really hope that Apple doesn't think, oh, great, Did we've it. done this thing, <laughs> right? We've nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Because my feeling is like, this is a great start, uh, but by no means... And, and that's why, like, when I made my uh, my checklist for what I'm looking for at WWDC, and I was like, significant improvements to X and significant improvements to Y. Like, I'm not going to give them, like, significant... It's like, you have improved it. Without a doubt, this is better. But this better not be, like, here's how notifications work for the next five years until we decide to add some additional stuff. It's like, please, dear God, Apple, don't think you've nailed it. Because there's a million things which are like we could we could use a lot and the one thing that i'm thinking of is like for their intended use case of downtime which seems largely about parents being able to manage kids schedules downtime just like do not disturb has no concept of i don't know the days of the week so if you were a parent trying to limit how much your kid is on social media there's no ability to do the thing that i think every parent in the world would want to do which is stricter restrictions on school nights and school days and then looser restrictions on the weekend and it's like apple come on like i this is not a feature for me like i don't really care because i'm not using it in that way but like you got to give people the option to be able to set up their kids device and say like saturday is perfectly fine to use your device however you want mm -hmm. uh, but wednesday is not a day where you can use the device however you want they don't like options and they don't like schedules and it's like there's this is a great first step, but I, I just I really, really hope that Apple doesn't feel like they've nailed it and they just leave it untouched for another few years. So I want to talk about screen time. Yeah. What do you want to talk about with screen time? Well, I think one thing I want to do is I want to share my screen time information with you. And then I kind of I want That's you to look intimate, at it. Mike. And I yeah. I want you to I want you to tell me what you think about it. This feels okay. to me almost like how we will share our home screens. There's like some kind of element to me which is very similar in it. That and also, you know, for our great love of just data and what it can tell us about each other. Were you trying to avoid the word time tracking there, Mike? Did you not want to mention time tracking? I have no tracking? idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but I just thought that this this might be fun because I feel like I'm kind of learning some things about myself looking at this. Whoa. 
Holy shit, I have to send you my screen sharing data after this. I just want to let you know, this is all my devices combined, right? This is all my iOS devices, right? Okay, let me, let me send you, oh my God, this is amazing. Let me send you, here is the data from all of my iOS devices. <laughs> uh, f- for the record, I don't know if you found this, but I'm, I'm convinced that the, the pickup number is totally buggy. That like my pickup, the number of times no, I picked up the phone. I don't think so. My number cannot possibly be true. And if you look at my data, it's like, there's no way that it's true. I don't think your data is as different to mine as you think it is. I wanted to share it because I think this is a, this is a very interesting comparison. Uh, <laughs> like, I would not have guessed that TweetBot would be your number one use there. Although I guess, okay, so here's an interesting question. If you have... I wonder how it counts this, right? If you have two apps open, like you have Safari open on one side and you have TweetBot open on the other side, I wonder how it counts that. Does it count both of those? It's going to count both of them at the same time. Because I I ran into and I I filed a radar with totally bizarre counting of data for background audio, like things with audiobooks and Overcast. Some incredibly weird buggy stuff going on with tracking of that that happened on my my device. But yeah, I guess it it would have to count them both as uh as what's going on holy cow you get you get a lot of messages yeah i do don't i (laughs) just to pause there before we go into the into the details of the data but that that is like another example where it seems crazy making to me that like apple you need more features it's like the inability to prioritize users and messages and who can send you stuff when is crazy making to me like that is that is an example like don't think you've nailed it uh because there's plenty of room for where you need improvements here so this is over the last seven days, uh, I've got 1,630 iMessages. Gray's got 115. <laughs> yeah, it's like we're, we're literally in order of magnitude apart. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. But even just our notifications, in the last seven days, I've got 2,590, and you've right. got 345. <laughs> yeah, like this, I think this is... This is total evidence of what we have described on the show many times like we have very different notification management systems we do but our actual device time is way closer than i would have expected you're at 41 hours for the week and i'm at 51 yeah i think that's partly because my data is a little wacky because having just returned from america i was doing things like driving a car where i had navigation maps open a lot so I think I think there's some stuff that's in there. Yeah, I understand that. But my think- thinking is like there's always something. I'm with you on that 100%. I just for this kind of data, I would love like when I look at my time tracking data, mm. uh, I do I do like to look at the really long time scale. So I always like to look at the past 365 days and then like the past 30 days precisely because any particular week is always a bit wacky for some reason and i i just i always much prefer to see data on the really long trend i doubt that's something apple would do but i would i would love it if they had something in here which is like show me my data over the last year so i have like a real sense of what does my what does my time actually yeah look this like. is another thing where it's like you've done a great job so far but but please add more yeah. But, you know, so like, okay, so looking at, let's look at some of this stuff then, right? So you mm-hmm. mentioned TweetBot. TweetBot for me is huge, right? So in the last week, last seven days, eight hours of my 51 hours has been using TweetBot. Mm-hmm. Now, you may look at that and be like, 
Mike spends way too much time on Twitter. Yeah, but it, but it's not crazy if it's on the side in the way I was just thinking about. Well, no. I, I, th- I mean, sometimes it's there, but sometimes it's just the app that I'm in, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the time, I bet it's just the app that I'm in. Mm-hmm. But like, let me th- kind of see if I can qualify this a little bit. So yes, I use it as a social networking thing, but I'm also, I don't use any RSS or anything like that. Like all of my news consumption is going through TweetBot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm there getting follow-up and feedback for my shows. I'm monitoring social media accounts for the shows that I do. Like that eight hours, the fact that TweetBot is my most used app is not a surprise to me at all Hmm. because of the way I use it. It might be more interesting as an experiment if I use two different Twitter apps and I use, and I might do this at some point, I use one for me personally, just me thinking, and I use one when I'm considering it work time. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting And idea. kind of seeing how it differs. And I think it would probably be about half at that point. I reckon it might kind of split in half. But, you know, and then again, right, like YouTube, six and a half hours. Not a surprise to me because I watch lots of YouTube videos in the day. Like it's kind of what I do is like when I want to take a little break, I'll watch a YouTube video. And also at night, like, it's kind of the way that I unwind before going to sleep. I'll watch some YouTube videos or whatever, right? It's not a surprise. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. And this is also a case where I, part of the reason why I am less interested in this as a tracking tool than you are is because this is going to capture much less of a, a picture of my life than it does for you, right? Whereas when, like you said, like you're watching Netflix and YouTube on your iPad and... That's just not an experience that I, I do very often. Like uh, If I'm watching Netflix or YouTube, very often I'm watching it on my Apple TV at home, right? And then it's like, okay, that data is just totally uncaptured. Uh, and so, yeah, that's that, that's one way where this is getting like a better picture for you of your time than it is of what does my time look like. Yeah, I just sent you one more screenshot, which is the expanded view of the apps, just to give you a kind of a sense of more stuff. Right, So you look at stuff like Spark and Slack and Docs and Notes and Safari and Sheets. That is all work stuff. Oh, WWD in there. Look at that. Yeah, I I watched a video. And same as Twitch, right? I was watching a stream. I was going to say, what do you do in the WWE app? Watch videos. They've got like a Netflix style thing for their content. Yeah. Well, Twitch is work for you now too, Mike. Exactly. So, but I was watching a Twitch stream. So it's like, you can kind of see that like, it's interesting to me how it's broken up. I think three hours of in email is quite a lot, but it's not surprising when you look at my notifications and see Mm -hmm. I got 283 emails in the last Mm -hmm. week. But I will also say that I'm, I think due to some bugs in Spark and maybe some bugs in Apple's notification system, I'm not getting consistent email notifications now i actually know i got more emails than that mm-hmm. in the last week it was more than 283 like but i tell you and then something that really kind of puts it all into perspective for me is when you look at the categorization mm-hmm. and i am using more of what apple considers or what is classed as productivity apps by a significant margin so it's it's like six nearly 17 hours of productivity compared to 11 hours of entertainment and then 11 hours of social networking. I think it's quite interesting. I'm liking this data. I want to see more from it, but I like kind of, I like what it's showing me so far, honestly. And like when I look in their productivity apps, so when I kind of go into it, it's like, yeah, okay, everything in here makes a lot of sense. I like that it includes a URL. So FreshBooks, I spent an hour and seven minutes in FreshBooks 
and it's including that in the productivity section, mm-hmm. just that URL. I'm like, okay, that's really cool, right? Yeah, like yeah, they've done some interesting stuff with being able to tie the websites to yep. the thing. Like, I, I think that that's a really it's a it's a really well done to be able to link these things to say like oh if you're on Twitter on the Twitter app or you're on Twitter.com or you're in Tweetbot it's like they're all they're all the same thing like it it has an understanding of the relationship of these things to each other. Mm-hmm. So I mean you know I, and then obviously the one that we we haven't mentioned yet but it has to be spoken about is pickups. I pick up my phone once every five minutes. And you pick up your phone once every seven minutes. I thought that was going to say something like every hour. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that number is correct. Like that. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> uh, well, I, I genuinely don't because I do, man. I really do. I think people have, and that's why they made this. I think that we have a very skewed understanding of how much we use our devices, and there yeah. may be an element of incorrect data in here. Right, like where it's it's looking at sensors incorrectly, but I I would bet that it is closer to true than not. The the thing that I, the thing that would make it closer to true, which I, I would this is where I love to know the details is because I'm just hearing you talk about it, I'm realizing and I'm I'm watching myself do a particular behavior that I don't think about until just now, which is I tap the screen of my phone and yeah. I hit the lock button a million times as almost like a fidget device. I think I actually told you at WWDC when it was, uh, I discovered this habit in myself that I never knew that I had last year when they introduced the feature where you you click the home button three times and you set off the emergency phone call thing mm-hmm. that after that software update rolled out, you know, like your phantom taps, I was getting actual emergency phone calls for like two months because I was just click, 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 clicking the button in my pocket. And it was like, <laughs> bram, like enormous <laughs> alarm. Like, like even with this tremendous negative feedback of like, there's a scary alarm sound and, and like someone from 911 who wants to know what the emergency is right now, sir. Yeah. Uh, it took me a long time to get out of that habit of like click, 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 clicking the lock button uh, on and off, on and off. And like while we've been talking here, even just in the last few minutes, like I have the phone in my hand and I'm just like, I tap the lock screen and just have it come on and I tap, even though I don't have notifications going to that lock screen, it's like a fidget habit thing. But I think that there's something in that though, right? No, 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 like, no, no, no. But like, I, I will agree with you, right? I'm not saying to be like, this doesn't count. And I bet they're 100% counting that. Like that, that yeah. is, yeah. The, if the phone is lit up, either by you picking it up or tapping it, they're counting it as a pickup. Yeah, it, because if that counts, like I have picked up in quotes the phone i don't know like two dozen times in mm-hmm. this conversation but it's just like fidgeting with the lock button and tapping the screen and th- then yeah then i can believe that data because other like i'm thinking of it in terms of like pick up and unlock and then i'm like this data is crazy like it can't possibly be true but if it's just screen illuminated then i can believe that number yeah and and like again i know you're not you're not necessarily disagree with what i'm saying but i just kind of want to say it anyway which is like i think that that counts in the idea of phone addiction like i think something in your brain like yes it's a fun thing to play with but like it's just like going for the button like you're going for it time and time again like there's so many times where i notice i'm doing this where i, like, I close tweetbot and i open it again like what am i mm-hmm. doing why is it open i don't mm-hmm. need it to be open i've just seen everything and i think this is 
this this pickup thing I think is meant to show us that it's like we're we're touching our phones all the time and like I don't necessarily think that this is a bad thing for society but I think it is important for people to understand and and that's why I really like this screen I like all of this information to just dip into I mean honestly one of the things that I like about it is it's vindicating some of the things that I think I know about myself that are good, which is how mm. much time I'm spending working mm. on these devices, right? I, like, I am happy to see that that is, one, the predominant thing, and two, is like kind of around equal with my entertainment stuff. But it's like, yeah, that feels like mm. how I believe I'm using my iOS devices, you know? So I'm happy with it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking, like, I almost wish they called it something like, like they, they wouldn't, but it would be like, phone touches right like how many times have you touched the Mm -hmm. phone or at least like maybe just when it rolls out like have a little description underneath like what are they counting because i suspect like when you look at that number of like every seven minutes i think a lot of people would have like i can't possibly be true and it's like uh yeah but if you're counting lock button presses and screen taps like it totally is true it's how many times have you touched your device and then it's like okay yeah i can believe that i can believe that number that's 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 very interesting that's very interesting i gotta say I really, I like this feature. I'm glad that they're rolling it out. And uh, like, you know, as someone who's into time tracking and has been into time tracking for a while, and as as you know, like, I was your shepherd into time tracking with like, do it all the time and like, and see what it looks like. And like, you'll be horrified. I, I am like, I cannot wait until this rolls out to the rest of the world because I think people are going to be horrified that first week when it comes out. And I'm kind of like giggling with delight at that moment of it like here here like look look at the data and see what your life looks like and and you don't you don't have to do the the tremendous effort of i'm going to constantly be flipping timers all day long and keeping a record and and looking at reports like no normal people aren't going to do that but like I've always encouraged everyone I know who does any kind of independent work to do time tracking because it's so valuable to really know. So like, I, I'm thrilled that Apple is having this as a feature that's just easy for everyone. I, I just, I really think everyone is going to have to go through that moment that previously just like my self-employed friends that I've talked into have gone through of like, oh God, I didn't know what my life really was. <laughs> what have I become? Yeah, or it's it's not even what have you become. It's it's just the reason that data is so valuable. It is it forces you to be aware of mindlessness, and like mindlessness is this invisible enemy in everyone's life, mm-hmm. and you can catch yourself being mindless, but you don't you don't realize how often you act with mindlessness, or what I think of also as as like one of my timers is like unintentionality how often do you act with unintentionality and that the timers help you fight back against that kind of stuff 